Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Nima Fashchi, Director of Center for Social Value Creation at the Robert H. Smith School Business University of Maryland. I think this might be the second time in the four years of the show that we have someone from academia joining us. So welcome to the show, Nima. Thank you so much, Theo. Very excited to be a part of it and looking forward to our conversation today. This is going to be fun. I can feel it already because this is a topic that's near and dear to both of our hearts as well as to a lot of our listeners. Um, so first off, can you tell us a little bit more about the Center for Social Value Creation? I love the name. What is the center's mission and how did all, how did that all came about? So our center was founded in 2009 with a mindset and mission to educate, engage, and empower our community to create a better world through business. Um, this takes many different forms, but the three pillars we focus on are thought-provoking dialogue, thought leadership, and hands-on experience. Our mindset has always been on how we can work with our community on utilizing business skills, business students, and the greater um, ecosystem to create a better world for both people and planet while not sacrificing profit at the same time. Um, and our center does this through having that mindset that business students are the future of impact and social value creation for society. I, I like that already, people and planet and, and profit. I think that's the one thing that oftentimes we forget. We thought, you know, when it comes to social value, when it comes to doing good is automatically, you know, you don't need to make money or it's, you know, something reserved for people that have wealth. We don't think about the fact that we can actually do well while doing good, that there is a path right, for us to do both. So talk, talk us through, how do you, what do you tell people when they ask you that? Because that's something that I got asked all the time. Oh, you're doing nonprofit stuff. You're doing philanthropy. No, 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 no. But there's more than that. There's more to um, creating social value while you're, you're looking at it from the business side of things. Exactly. You're spot on correct. Because for us, Philanthropy, nonprofits, volunteerism can only get so far. They're not things that we think are able to be sustained for long-term impact. But when you look at a business model and you look at the capitalist society that we live in, it's changing the focus from being solely on shareholders to also being on stakeholders in the larger community as a whole. So what we try to work with is showcasing that businesses have such a large footprint, whether it's on a local economy, whether it's on the environment, whether it's on community and how they can use their scale, how they can use their purchasing power to make decisions that are long-term impactful. So for us, it's not just about that one day of service or that one check, it's how does your supply chain impact sustainability? How does your marketing campaign impact diversity, equity, inclusion? How does your governance uh, structure 
promote diversity? How do your financial metrics spark economic growth for the entire ecosystem? So for us, it's focused on whatever your business is in, whatever industry they might partake in, whatever mindset or work they do, how can the, your core competencies as a business be positive for our entire world and making sure that the work you're doing isn't in competitions. For us, it's not a sum zero game. It's a mindset of what you do should support the world as a whole while making that money at the same time. So it's how you can leverage one for the other and the other for one. There are so many quotable moments. Um, I am furiously taking notes in here because I, I want to do write up about it. There's so much that you said that makes sense. It should have been common sense, but yet we still have to keep reiterating and telling people this is what we have here for. There is one planet. There's one society. There's one world. Um, as a matter of fact, that was why we called the show One Vision, is we have a vision <laughs> to create a better future for everyone not just for the 1% or those who can afford it. How did you, how did you end up being, being such a center force for the program? You mentioned this, this center started in 2009. Like how, how did this all came about? Like, um, I almost feel like this is like a chemical reaction with all of the atoms and everything flying together and boom, you have a bang. That was a little crazy. Well, this was, <laughs> this was a very good analogy because I feel like there have been a lot of different atoms flying out throughout the years. And this was not a planned journey, but a destined journey, I feel like, when I reflect back to how I ended up here. Uh, the center was one of my largest influences as an undergraduate uh, student at the University of Maryland. And I was very active, whether it was through our social innovation fellows programs or um, an internship we did in partnership with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's foundation focused on doing research on social impact and social value creation um, at the time, it was branded as corporate social responsibility. Uh, terminologies have changed, but we helped design a business for good map focused on researching over 145 companies, uh, 5,000 CSR initiatives. Uh, that pathway led me to charter schools um, and charter school education and operations mindset, um, where I helped lead a few schools in a charter network in New York City and Brooklyn for a few years before coming back to the DMV, um, where the center played a second role in my life. Um, I started doing my flex MBA program at the University of Maryland and was still involved with the center. And while doing the program, I helped found a charter school focused on computer science at a middle school level in Southeast DC. So the center helped shape mindset, marketing, um, financial models and helped grow me in a second form. Um, I had an amazing opportunity where we were looking for a location for our sixth grade graduation for the school. And I reached back out to the center of, is there a space opportunity? And the conversation um, of, is there a physical location we can host it, suddenly turned into a job opportunity to help lead the center into its next iteration as its third director of the center. Um, and it was a very perfect timing. This was the fall of 2019, where uh, Larry Fink and BlackRock had changed the discussion 
from uh, shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism. ESG was being brought to the forefront and the sustainable development goals were being mindsets and philosophies that were discussed by businesses across the board. So for me, it was a very exciting time to see how the center in its inception where corporate social responsibility might have went meant one thing in the early 2000s and mid 2000s had transformed into something completely different, especially with the B Corp movement also gaining steam and the impact that had happened. So it just felt like a perfect time to go full circle with Smith in the center in a third avenue. It's a perfect storm, a storm in a good sense that you're creating good out of it. You mentioned you are the third director of the center, and recently you also hosted a ESG conference, which I believe was the first time ever for the school. What were some of the things that you were hoping to achieve? And just tell us a little bit more about the conference. Definitely. So our center in the past had hosted different conferences like our social enterprise symposium focused on social entrepreneurship um, and different speaker series throughout the last decade. But this was our first conference focused on ESG and how it impacts business decision making. Um, our conference was titled as Reimagine Your Impact. And the purpose was to showcase to our alumni, our business partners, our faculty and our greater community ways that corporations are making positive impacts. And if your company, your organization isn't right now, opportunities to grow both your profit model and your impact model through decision making. Uh, we had different sessions focused from everything from climate finance to diversity, equity, inclusion, to tech for good like yours, to different opportunities on where this can lie in an organization's business model. So the bottom line was we were hoping for our Smith alumni, our friends, our greater community, our faculty to showcase the brain capital in one location of ways we can grow from each other. For us, ESG isn't meant to be competitive in a capitalistic way where only one person can reap the benefits. In our ideology, everyone can reap the same benefits. So profit, planet and people are growing for all synchronously um, and are able to have that total impact on society as a whole, where it's not competitive, but it's competitive on who can do the most good while making the most money and sharing resources together. And one can probably also say is complementary, right? It's not mutually exclusive because there is so many studies that has been done that shows the benefits of inclusive thinking, inclusive capitalism. When you involve more people, include them at the table, not just give them a seat, but also give them a mic, you have a much richer solution set that you can serve more people. It just makes sense. 100%. We had a fantastic event about a year ago with Alex Edmonds, a faculty member at Oxford who wrote a great book called Grow the Pie, which is focused on how it isn't mutually exclusive and how together you're able to grow the entire pie for everyone. Grow the pie. I will look that up. I, I love to read. Um, it reminds me, I think a few years ago, I saw an analogy. It was a video of someone 
was putting different pies in. I wanted to say a subway station, and ask people to think about how much wealth each class of the society has. If we were to look at the pie, you know, and I will probably say this wrong, but I wanted to say somewhere like a lot of the people in our society, those are the poor. They get crumbs if we look at、yeah. an entire pie when you cut them into pieces. It's um, you know, and 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 I believe COVID didn't help. Unfortunately, it just made a lot of the pain that the lower third、uh, feel because everything just got so much harder when you did not have internet connectivity. You can't be part of that innovation ecosystem, and so on and so forth. When we are all at home. And trying to figure out how to navigate this "quote unquote" future of work and working from home, there are people that are out there providing us with essential services and risking their health and everything. And look at two and a half years later, I don't believe that we are actually taking care of them as much as we should have, unfortunately. So、um, I digress, which I do quite a bit. But I wanted to ask you this: looking at the business world, right? You have. A lot of students and faculty that are involved in the center, that are in the programs, that came to the conference, that are part of the larger ecosystem you're trying to build. What I, what do you think would be some of the biggest challenges that the students will face when they when they come、um, to the real world or as they navigate through this journey? I think there's twofold. There's an internal challenge and an external challenge. I think the internal challenge is. Finding that career that provides joy and a fulfillment、um, on multiple levels, because just working for a mission-driven organization that might be values-aligned might not be enough if the work isn't right, if the culture isn't right. Just saying that I'm working with a values-aligned organization doesn't necessarily check all the boxes someone needs in their lives. And then on the flip side, if you are working with an organization that Aligns with all of your other needs, but isn't values aligned to you. You're having those same issues. So it's being able to find an internally fulfilling career and job outside of college that checks off all of the essential boxes, both personally, professionally, and values aligned.、Um, so it's being able to be selective, being able to know yourself, and being able to truly reflect on how you can lead an impactful and meaningful life. Um, externally, there are challenges when we're looking at things like ESG, where this is a very new concept. Where we're thinking about business model incorporation. What we found to be exciting is our new generation of talent and youth that is coming into business has the mindset and the skills to take on the ground grand challenges of our time. Now, where it is also exciting. Is seeing that there is so much leadership, there is so much C-suite and board guidance, making ESG a priority for companies. The amount of companies that are focused on the sustainable development goals, whether it's as part of their annual reporting, board governance, or compensation packages for executives, is phenomenal to see. So there is that top-level leadership. There is that young, energized talent. 
But where it's tougher and where we're lacking is finding those implementers, those mid-level managers, those individuals who have been in an organization who are tasked with tackling the grand challenges of our time, but don't know how to bring it to fruition. Given the task of how can we be profit-driven and how can we be environmentally focused or how can we be profit-driven and care about diversity, profit-driven and care about our communities, care about Ukraine, care about COVID, care about all of the issues that we're facing and are coming up that we could never anticipate every, it seemed every few years, but now it feels like every few weeks there's another crisis for our planet, whether it's a short-term one or a long-term one. It's being able to have that interior leadership within a co company that can tackle those challenges. So for us, we feel like the hardest business challenge is having individuals who are trained at a mid-level career stage that are able to provide those real solutions that aren't theoretical. And we're hoping opportunities like the conference of ours and other ones like this are able to share the brain capital and make us even more collaborative because there are pieces here and there of tackling these challenges and tackling the sustainable development goals. Uh, but we want to be able to be an opportunity that all executives are learning on how to be able to tackle these challenges. I can't agree more. I think one of my biggest worries lately is, and, and it feels like it happens at every economic downturn, is things that are supposed to be purposeful, things that are supposed to do good. People start throwing them on the wayside it becomes a convenient excuse for people to say, well, you know, now we need to focus on profits. All of these are auxiliary. It's nice to do. When things get better, we can think about X. When yeah. we can, you know, generate more profits, we can do Y. Um, I'm seeing that happen more and more often. For example, you know, recently um, there were those in banking industry that came out and said, well, you know, who cares if Miami is, is underwater? Yeah. Um, what would you say to them? How would you, can we even convince them that, you know, we need to think in a different way? It, that's a fantastic question. I think it's thinking long-termism. There are times where you might see making a decision creates short-term value, short-term profitability, short-term revenue generation or cost reduction. And short-term, you are completely correct. If your company is in a place where you might not be cash stable in the next 72 hours, in the next three months, you do need to think about your organization. But if you're making these short-term sacrifices and continuing to make them time after time after time, your business model is going to continue to have to face short-term risks that present itself. If you're looking at making a model that is, and a huge part of ESG is risk mitigation, if you are thinking about how you can mitigate your long-term risks as a business model, and many people do this for the moral reasons, for that conscious capitalist reason, but even if you're not driven by that, think about where you can create risk mitigation for the long-term for your company. And 99% of the time, if you're looking at where these risks are coming from, if you're willing to look at environmental, social, and governance factors and metrics, and think about long-term solutions, this is how you can generate long-term profitability for your organization. So for us, it's if you're not a conscious capitalist, if you're not doing this 
for the deep moral rooted reasons, think about the long-term risk mitigation for your organization and do the research and do the studies on what creates that profitability down the road. I might borrow that because um, I've always got countless founders who would come and say, yeah, you know, I don't really worry about DEI right now because that's for, you know, larger companies who can afford to. Right now, I just put together what I think people need with the people that I know. And that becomes a pattern, isn't it? That's There's a reason why we hadn't seen funding change in the last five years, for example. I do want to end in exactly. right? Yes. <laughs> so I would just send them to you next time. But I'm done. Please talk to someone Definitely else. feel free to. <laughs> we had a fantastic event with our Dingman Center for Entrepreneurship uh, focused on being sustainable from the start and just showcasing how there are so many startups that when they don't focus on DEI or sustainability or whatever it might be from early on operations, it's going to cost more long term to fix the problems that they have rather than incorporating it in their business models from day one. Um, so for us, it's those organizations. Yes, it might make sense, but think about five years from now, how much it's going to take to fix all of those issues when you kept making those short term decisions. Oh, I can already tell you what happened to one of them. So there is, voila, it's a business case study. I do want to exactly. end this in a good note, a uh, hopeful note, hopefully. Um, I often say that, you know, we have so much resources on planet Earth that some people can afford to put people in space for leisure, right? Space tourism. So with that, for sure, we can, if we are willing to, take some of that attention, focus, and resources to solve some of the problems for us poor souls who are here on planet Earth. I'm sure we could have done that. What gives you hope? Because I, I see myself going down these rabbit hole that, you know, I, I, I love numbers. And some of those numbers stuck with me. For example, one that I read earlier this year that said, if you take the wealth of the 10 wealthiest men on Earth, if they were to spend a million dollars each, collectively $10 million a day, it will take them 414 years to spend out their wealth. Wow. That zeros was dumbfounding, my jaw dropped. And this number just stuck with my head because think about not just spending 10 million, even $1 million a day. There are so many things that we could have solved. And once I go down this rabbit hole, I can't pull myself out. So I need help. So in your perspective, with all the people that you work with and talk with, right, with the center that is focused on creating positive value, what gives you hope? How, what, what makes you go every single day and wake up and say, yep, this is worth fighting for? So what gives me and my center hope is looking at how much generational mindsets have shifted. If we look back to earlier capitalism mindset, individuals would say doing good with the business is paying taxpayer dollars and having jobs created in communities. If we move forward back towards the 1980s, it was a shift towards 
philanthropy and days of service for how business can create good. And that was what society viewed as positive impact. If we go towards the 2000s, there's a rise of social entrepreneurship and corporate social responsibility, where it stands for businesses doing good in addition to what they're doing, not as what they're doing. Now, when we're looking at 2022, ESG is an incorporation mindset. Conscious capitalism is a more popular way of talking and a generation who's not just purchasing decision metrics, but also their employment metrics are decided by, decided by their values is fantastic to see. So what gives me hope is even in the last 10 years from when we started doing research on corporate social responsibility and now a focus on ESG, how companies have changed their workings has shifted astronomically. When we look at investment banks, when we look at Black Rocks and where they're putting their dollars, we can debate all we want about, is this actually ESG? Is this greenwashing? Is there good coming from it? 10 years ago, there wasn't even this debate. 10 years ago, it was just, well, we'll write a check to fix this problem. So the way that dialogue and mindset has shifted generationally and now exponentially in the last decade is extremely encouraging to who knows what 2025 will look like. And hopefully we can tackle our sustainable development goals by 2030. So for me, the mindset shift has been, we have had an exponential impactful growth for where business psychology is. And I know the next decade and the one after that, I am so optimistic for where we will lead for our next generation of leaders. That indeed is something positive that gives us hope and let us reimagine our impact in everything that we do. So thank you so much for joining us and spending time with us today, Nima. Appreciate it. And for those of our listeners, if they're curious about your center and what, the work that you do, where can they find you? So you can find us at Creating Value on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, or search the Center for Social Value Creation and find our website. We have a biweekly newsletter that shares uh, ways you can educate yourself, engage the community, and empower um, your work through different job listings, news articles, and events. So feel free to either subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on our socials and learn more about what's occurring in our center here at Smith. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Nima. And for the rest of our audience, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week.